Agua. Stop waiting for the bus. Just start running. Why don't you feel good? Because you're trying to feel good. Too many of us search for happiness down the way, right? The way to feel happy is to live your life in a happy way in every moment. Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Sanchez. And since we do lessons here, I want to share with you one of my favorite all-time stories. Scotty's with me, and he's heard this story probably more than he wants to. But this story, to me, is like a proverb. It's, it's stuck in my mind. From the first time I heard it, it had the, the best and most reasoned impact on me of any story that I've ever heard. And I, I mean, look, I, I'm a Shakespeare guy. I love reading, believe it or not, I used to read Shakespearean sonnets to my wife when I was courting her. There's an old word. <laughs> courting her. It's another word for trying to, uh, yeah, I won't say it. It's my wife. <laughs> I thought you were playing basketball or something. Yeah, with her. Right, courting right. her. Yeah, I was courting her. Yes. Because <laughs> all us guys, when we're young, that's what we do. We see a good-looking gal and we court her. Um, but no, yeah, th this story that I want to you you, you got to listen to this story. I love this story. This, I learned as much from this story as I have from anything I've learned of the great book. The Bible stories are great, you know. Greatest book ever written, the Bible. Second best story ever. Second best uh, book ever written was, of course, uh, you know, the complete works of William Shakespeare, because there's more knowledge and stuff there than just about anything else. And then I guess Trump's book is the, th <laughs> it's the art of the deal. Didn't he say? This? The art of the deal. Other than the Bible. Is I, was the wa I was waiting for it, man. I was waiting for it. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. So here it is. Stay with me here, because you're going to love this story. There was once a business executive who was having a really tough time. His business was really not doing well. He was in debt, and he could see no way out. And he got to that point in his life where he was just depressed and sad. The creditors were all closing in on him, and they wanted their money, and the suppliers were all demanding payment. And so he didn't know what to do, and he just went for a walk. And he went to the park, you know, his, his hand on his head, and he wondered if there was anything he could do to save his company from, from bankruptcy. And he was embarrassed and he felt humiliated. And suddenly, while he's walking in the park by himself, an old man comes up to him and he says, boy, you look like you're going through a tough time. He goes, I am. And uh, after he tells his story, he tells the old man, I'm, it's horrible. I mean... My business isn't doing well, and now I'm not feeling good at home, and my wife is, we're having problems, and I feel bad for my kids, and this is just a really tough time for me. And I relate to this because I've gone through times like this in my life, as you all know. When CNN fired me, I was afraid to let my kids cry, as I always say, afraid to let my wife know I was sad, but I kept it all inside. But this man runs into this little old guy at the park, and the little old guy at the park says to him, I think I can help you. So he asked for the guy's name and he takes out a checkbook. And with that checkbook, he 
he he writes something and then he hands it to the guy and and the, and the little old man says to him look take this take this money take this check and meet me here exactly one year from now and i trust at that time you'll be able to pay me back i trust you so here's $500,000 and I trust that you'll pay me back. I believe in your company. I believe in you. So the business executive is sitting there looking at this. He's walking in the park and a man just came up and he gave him a check for $500,000 and all he has to do is come back a year later and give him back the $500,000 if he doesn't use it or if he uses it. And then he looks at the check just to make sure he's not crazy, right? And he sees the guy's name where it says the little signature thing. It says Rockefeller. <laughs> one of the richest men from one of the richest families in the world in New York happens to be walking in a park. Why not? And he runs into a guy and he loans him $500,000 because he believes in him. The guy thinks, oh, my God, I can erase all my worries now, he thought. You know, instead, this executive, he decides that. He's going to put that check, that $500,000 in a safe, and he's not going to touch it. Just knowing it was there, he can build off of that check. Now, with knowing that he has equity of $500,000, a half a million dollars, he's able to save his business. He starts making deals. I mean, with suddenly renewed optimism, he, he negotiates better deals. He extends the terms of payments from his creditors. He closes some new big sales because he's feeling pumped up. He's feeling good. Within a couple of months, he's out of debt. Now he's making money once again. A year later, after he's back on top and kicking ass, he goes to the park because he wants to see the little old man. At the agreed upon time, the old man shows up. This guy's got a giant smile on his face. And he says to him, you're not going to believe it. I mean, I, I want to give you back your money because I kicked ass with your money. I felt good. I was able to go out there. I rebuilt my business. I'm making three times what I used to make now. I'm back on top and I want to thank you. And before he gets the word out, all of a sudden he sees this woman in a uniform coming toward him. And he's trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And she says to him, sir, oh, I'm so glad I, I caught him. She says, I hope this little old man hasn't been bothering you. He's always escaping the rest home, which is over there across the field. And he's not well. He goes around telling people he's John D. Rockefeller. She leads the old man away by the arm. The astonished executive is sitting there going, what the fuck? He's stunned. All year long, he'd been wheeling and he'd been dealing and he'd been buying and he'd been selling and he was confident. He was convinced he had a half a million dollars sitting on, sitting in his safe that he could use at any time. And he used that as the collateral and the equity and the human capital that he needed, right? And then suddenly... He realized it wasn't the money. It wasn't the money. Real or imagined, that had turned his life around. 
It was his newfound sense of purpose. It was the self-confidence that gave him the power to achieve anything that he could go after. Think about that. This story has stuck with me my whole life. The idea that it's not a thing. It's not the money. It's not a value. It's not the metal. It's not the shiny object. It's not the gold. It's not the diamond. There's something bigger that is behind all of those things. No matter who you are or no matter what you're doing or how big your challenges are, you have it within you. And in the case of this dude, it just took that one thing to make him realize there was a purpose. Mm. A crazy guy who's, who gave him a check that wasn't really a check. It was a worthless piece of paper. And that worthless piece of paper changed his life. It just, mm. you know, I, I, that story's Steve. always stuck with me, Scotty. As it should, man. I mean, it's like... It, it, it part of it at first it makes me think about like you know ball players you know when they're like well i can't change my lucky underwear because if i change my lucky underwear my streak's <laughs> gonna be over you know or the guy or, or the guy that flips his lucky coin you know for good luck or you know it, it's like people need these things humans we need these kind of things to either motivate us or, or tell us that we, we we have something that we don't or we have that that safety net and in the case of this story it sounds to me like his weakness where he was failing was fear mm -hmm. right it was he was afraid he was afraid of losing his business how am i going to pay the creditors how am i going to support my family all these other things and that fear was you know just disappeared when he figured he had that safety net and, 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 and now that's it that was it it was it was that key piece of fear so like you know i'm thinking about this like well what's my fear what can i what can i find that holds me back that's going to give me that extra push you know like it's like we have to find that almost well, I have a, I, I sat down and I thought through this because, you know, as I think through the podcast that we do and how we can create the right messaging and the right information, I call them lessons, but I hate to use the word lessons because I, I, I don't want to be your teacher. I want to be your friend. I want to share ideas with you. And, and, I, and I wrote a couple of these down and, I'm, and I want to go through some of these. And the first one, numero uno, in how to find you. If you don't have a guy who gives you a check for $500,000 signed by Rockefeller, or I suppose today it would be a different name of all the billionaires that Musk. we have out there. Yeah, exactly. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Right. Um, first, it's be proactive. Do shit. There's a big difference because, I mean, it, just think about this. And, and here's why you have to be proactive and you have to live your life in such a way so that you're doing something, right? I guess what I mean is don't be passive, be proactive. And I ask, why? Here's why. Just like that, it could all go away tomorrow. Just like that, it could all go away tomorrow. I'll tell you a story. This is my story now, not the story of some executive walking around in a park. Um... About a year and a half, two years ago, maybe it was a little more, I decided to take my family to the Keys, the Florida Keys. Beautiful. We're staying down there. And I wanted to just go away and do something on my own. So I had met a guy in the Keys who said, you know what? Hey, Rick, let me know when you want to go 
scuba diving and I will take you with me. And he was a scuba diver instruction. Uh, he was a scuba diving instructor, pardon me. And he was nice enough to give me the instruction. So I got certified. And obviously you have to get certified or else you won't even be able to get any air in your tanks to be able to go. So I got certified. I really enjoyed it. I was having a great time doing this. And um, whenever I went to the Keys and he was taking a group of people out, he'd say, look, you can tag along and, you know, pay for the, 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 the tanks and all that stuff. And I'll take you with me and you could go out there and you could go scuba diving too. So one day while I was out there scuba diving, he had gone out into some pretty deep waters. We were in about 150 feet of water and I went down. And of course, when you go in the ocean and you go down, you, there, there are valleys and, you know, there are like hills underwater and you sometimes are in a hill and sometimes you're in a valley. So you could be 50 feet down, you could be 20 feet down, or you can suddenly find yourself a hundred feet down because you're, you're swimming at an angle and you're going down, but you don't know just how far down you're going. And I was going down there because I, my wife loves hogfish. It's the best, sweetest eating fish in the whole world. People love hogfish. And you'll know that people who come to South Florida go there to catch hogfish. You can't catch them. You can't catch them on a hook because they don't bite hooks. You have to go down with a harpoon, right, gun, and shoot them. So I was down in the Florida Keys shooting hogfish. They're wonderful. They're delicious. And I was, and I had a bag tied around my waist and I was taking the hogfish, shooting them and putting them inside the bag. And while I was doing that, I got distracted because I saw that there were sharks coming around and I started getting worried because the sharks, apparently when you shoot a hogfish and the hogfish starts moving really fast or bleeding, the sharks smell that the sharks are attracted to the blood. They're attracted to the movement of the fish. And they immediately come over and try and grab it. And they did. And of course, being smart enough not to fight the shark, I said, okay, I killed it. But if you want it, you can have it. You're bigger than I am. And I'm not going to mess with you. I think these were like some kind of reef sharks or lemon sharks. Can be a little dangerous. So I kept my distance and watched them. And I was kind of chasing these hogfish and trying to catch hogfish and trying to fight off the sharks or keep my distance from the sharks. And all of this is happening and I'm all by myself, which I should not have been. Big mistake. But right now I'm thinking the danger is the sharks. And I need to be careful because one of these sharks all of a sudden could try to hit the hogfish. And instead of hitting the hogfish, which is really like an extension of my hand because he's on the end of a string and a harpoon, he could accidentally bite my hand. So I was being very, very careful. I was being, trying to think through the situation so I didn't get myself in danger. And just as I was thinking about that danger, something even more dangerous happened. I didn't realize it because I wasn't paying attention and I was foolish, but I had run out of air. All of a sudden I started trying to take a breath and there was no air. My tanks were out of air and I was about 70, 80 feet deep. I mean, I was way down there underwater and I thought, this is it. I'm going to die. I'm probably not going to make it to the surface because very few people can, you know, it's not like I was a, you know, young guy trained in this stuff. I'm just some, you know, middle-aged dude out there trying to um, scuba dive. 
But I did remember the lesson. I do remember what my instructor had taught me. He said, if you're ever in a situation underwater and you run out of air, do not take deep exhales or inhales. And I remember I told you the story, Scotty. <laughs> I think after it happened. Yeah. <laughs> they teach you to just make a small noise like this. Just enough to let a tiny little bit of air out. And if you can somehow keep doing that and sing that song all the way to the surface, you know, go ahead and let some, you know, fill up your whatever, your vest that you wear that has uh, air in it. I even forgot the name of it. And it'll eventually take you up. But you can't go up too fast. And you can't let all your air out because your lungs will literally explode and you'll die right there underwater. But there's, there's a chance you could make it to the top. And I just, right there, I thought, there's no way. And I was feeling my lungs compress. And it was like feeling my life just being squeezed out of me. And son of a bitch, somehow I finally made it to the top. I made it to the surface. And of course, when I got there, I was like, <laughs> and I'm trying to signal the boat, you know, and they're looking at me and they can't tell, but, and, and, and I was, and the waves were splashing around me and I was like in a lot of pain because it I was suffering from whatever it's called, hydrogen narcosis or whatever the hell it's called, where there were bubbles coming through my skin and there were like blobs and big nodules in my arms. And I was thinking, what the hell is this? And I still didn't know whether I was going to survive, but I'll, I'll just never forget that in that moment, I realized that I would have died I would have drowned. My body would have been somewhere in the ocean. I don't know if they ever would have found me. Maybe they would have. Maybe they wouldn't have. And just like that, it could have all been gone. And sometimes, sometimes when I'm having a rough time, I think about that day because it keeps me from ever taking life for granted keeps me from worrying and knowing that it can all go away like that. And that's why I often use that to remind myself that we have to live in the moment. We, we have to live for today, for right now, to take advantage of everything you do, juice every moment for every bit of fun, every bit of comprehension, every bit of let me pronounce that word again. Comprehension for every bit of growth because tomorrow there may not be an opportunity to do that. And, and that's kind of my first lesson. And I know, Scotty, you heard me tell the story a million oh, yeah. times and I, I forgive me for it, but it really is one of the most important things that ever happened in my life, as bizarre as that may sound. And by the I way, mean, it was anybody listening to it, I think it was when you and I were working at this radio station, I think, yeah, right? We were yeah, it was. The radio station was, together, yeah. yeah. For yeah. anybody listening, everything that I just described was stupid. I should not have been there by myself. I should have been more careful. I should have checked my tanks. I should have known more. I apologize for being a moron. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is, in that moment, I realized it can all go away just like that. You can get, my, you can get hit by a bus tomorrow. So yeah. what the hell are That's you doing it. today, sitting about that, worrying about that one stupid thing, whatever the hell that thing is, no? I, listen, I, I mean, I've always, I don't know why, I've always had that per, the perception of live, you know, live in the moment, appreciate what you have. I mean, 
my wife and I, we, I always joke with her kind of half jokingly, but I never like her to leave the house where we're in an argument or angry with each other because, you know, from one split second, it may not even be your fault. God forbid that truck's driving and they're not looking and bam, it's over. Uh, I mean, uh, there was a story a few weeks ago where a guy that I grew up with here in Boynton Beach and he became a police officer and he was off duty one night and he got an accident. Gone. Two kids, you know, family, the whole thing. And and it's devastating when you see things like that. But at the same time, it reinforces that you need to appreciate that moment. You know, uh, yeah, for me, think of, that I, guy. think of that guy you just mentioned, that guy that's who it. just all of a sudden he went Gone. out. Now, now I, I, I there's a real good possibility that just before he got into that accident and he died, he was sitting around stewing about something yes. that was bothering him, uh, something work related, something family related. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Worried. Oh, my God. What am I going to do about this? And, da, 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 and his level of the anxiety had risen and he was feeling a little depressed. And then all of a sudden you realize yeah. it can all go away. And then what the hell is and that? And that, what you just said is so important because I think about that sometimes as well. Like if I'm if I get riled up about something, as we all do from some from time to time, you get pissed off and something's under your skin that, you know, it shouldn't be. But it's do you really want that? God forbid to be your last thought and feeling. Yeah. Like this most this beautiful thing that we have of life and you want to waste it that last moment on just being pissed off about something just basic that doesn't deserve it. That's why. Again, it's easier, easier said than done by all means. But lesson one for today, folks, you, Scotty, me, me um, and you who are listening to me, be proactive. Don't be passive. Yes. Be proactive. Do shit rather than sitting around thinking about woe is me. And by the way, here's number two. Don't think. Don't think. I mean, thinking is great, but you know what's even better? Do. <laughs> Doing is better than thinking. When you sit around trying to figure shit out, right, you can get really crazy. You worry. You, you regret. I mean, um, th this is, th we, we, we work ourselves up into a frenzy thinking about the problem rather than tackling the problem. I do this. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll share with you, even just preparing this podcast today, I often wonder what I'm going to be talking about when I'm going to do a podcast. And I can sit there for a day worried about what I'm going to talk about rather than sitting down and doing research and figuring out this will be my topic and this is how I will do it. Or when I've been a news guy all my life, I'm still doing the news, right? I'm doing news now for a global outfit. And, and I'm, I'm preparing for an interview, for example, yesterday. Yesterday, I was told I had to do an interview with an expert on relations between India and China. Apparently, China and India share a border, and there have been a lot of skirmishes. And this is crazy. These countries both have nuclear warheads. And now Pakistan is getting involved. So I had to do an interview to be able to disassemble the relationship between China and India where it's been, where it's going, how they'll probably work out their problems or won't, and why the whole geopolitical situation has to do with trying to get India to support the West, but they don't want to because they want to stay neutral and blah, blah, blah. So it was a fascinating conversation about the China-India relations and the border skirmishes they're having there. When I was done with that, 
I had to do an interview with a journalist in Latin America about what's going on in Peru, which, as you know, there was recently a coup. They have a new president who used to be the vice president. The guy who was a president was a little bit of a lefty, and it looks like the United States probably pushed him out with the help of some of the powerful people in Lima, Peru. Great interview. Interesting story. Meanwhile, Bolsonaro in Brazil is out, has moved to uh, Orlando, Florida. And in the meantime, there are also riots in the streets of, uh, of Brazil because of what's going on there with Lula da Silva, their new president. So I'm doing interviews about all these things and trying to create the political, uh, the, the what is the geopolitical meaning of all of these stories. And while I was sitting there trying to decide how I was going to do these interviews, I was worried. I mean, this is, if I did them yesterday, the day before I was concerned, I sat around thinking whether I could do this interview. There's such disparate subjects. And I didn't think I could do it. And I was concerned. And then I just sat down, took out the old Googles, started researching, started putting ideas together, separated them all, created a manifestation, essentially, of uh, I'm, what, what manifests into the order of how this story should be taken apart, what kind of questions I would ask. And then it all just appeared in my head because I sat down and I did it. And as soon as I did that, yes, that's me slamming the desk. I felt like a million bucks. <laughs> it's like I did it. All I had to do was do it. Yeah. But when you're when you're thinking about doing it, you it hurts. It sucks. You suck. You're worried. Yeah. You're thinking. But when you do it, it feels great. It's like thinking about exercise feels bad. Missing your exercise routine makes you feel regret. Not doing it makes you feel worry. But once you do it, yeah. you're you feel you you yeah. feel like an Olympic athlete. Mm -hmm. Even if you're a guy on a wheelchair, a fat guy, old guy like me. So it's about doing. It's not about thinking. That's the uh, second lesson. Does that make sense? Uh, did it I does, that? man. I, I, one of my big issues that I personally have, and you you do know about this, is I have ADHD. And one of the symptoms or one of the, the byproducts of having ADHD, besides being hyper and kind of off the wall sometimes and not focusing, is trouble completing tasks. And it's not because all of a sudden, oh, squirrel, I'm not going to complete my task. It's because the task, as mundane as it may seem at times, is Mount Everest. For example, there's a pile of clothing right there that are, just came out of the, the dryer. I am now looking at that pile of clothing and saying, <laughs> man, there's about 60 pieces of clothing in there. I have to, I have to fold now. <laughs> Socks, underwear, T-shirts, sweatshirts. I got to hang this. And in my mind, I, I'm not doing this consciously, but subconsciously because of, I guess, the ADHD, as experts have told me, my mind starts going to that place. Off of dishes, cleaning the dishwasher, the the task of having to go one dish in here, wash it off in the dishwasher. <laughs> that to me makes it feel like Mount Everest. But as I've learned, as I've gotten older, that by me thinking about each action that I have to take, the back and the forth, the back, I'll never do it. But if I just do it, right. I put some music on, I put a podcast on, I, I a you game just is said on it. in the background. Just do it. Just do and it. All the, and here's the and here's the amazing thing about it, man. The minute you start doing it, especially for me, like I said, I like to listen to music or a podcast, just something to kind of distract my mind from thinking about this task that I have to do. All of a sudden, I look up and it's gone. It's done. And, and I usually spend more time being, you know, thinking about it than I actually does to do it. That's so true. That's, you know, I, yeah, I will literally you, sit there and I look at a pile of clothing yeah. for an hour and a half, two hours, all day for that matter. 
and then it'll be done in 10 minutes. The um, And then I'm mad at myself. Yeah. The I wasted that whole day of, you know. The first step is the, the most important. Done. Any writer will it tell you the, that. Oh, I God. mean, I'm a writer, um, as yeah. you know. And when I write, I find the very, the, the, the by far the most difficult line is the first line, the first sentence, the lead, the first words. They're the hardest. But yeah. once you're going, you've got the other thing. So if, if do it, don't think it is number two. Here's my number three. Ready? Words to live by from Rick Sanchez. <laughs> Stop waiting for the bus and start running. Stop waiting for the bus. Just start running. Why don't you feel good? Because you're trying to feel good. Too many of us search for happiness down the way, right? The way to feel happy is to live your life in a happy way in every moment. Not to look for happiness as if it was some pot of gold out there that uh, is at the end of some uh, rainbow. There is no rainbow. There is no pot of gold. And I know people who, by the way, who found the pot of gold and they're still miserable. Trust me, there is no rainbow. There is no pot of gold. Happiness is not a destination. Let me say that again. Happiness is not a destination. That's so important. We think, oh, it's a process. You know, I'm just going to wait until sometime, you know, in the future, I, 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 I score that big deal. I get that big job. Then I'm going to be happy. And then you find out you're not happy. You know, I remember thinking when I first got a job at chat, if I only could get a job working in local TV and be a reporter, and then if I could only be the anchor, and then if I only could move out of here and get to the networks and be a reporter, and I did, and then if I only could get my own show on, 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 on NBC, and I did, and then if I only could get to CNN, that's the primo, and then if I can only get not just to work at CNN, but be a primetime anchor on CNN, and I did, and you know, every time I accomplished that goal, the next one was just something else I had to shoot for. And it wasn't the destination. It was the process. Yeah. It's it, man. It, you got to be happy at 7 a.m. to be happy at 10 p.m. You, you have to be happy along the way. That's the difference. It's not happiness is not a destination. Happiness is a journey. And you have to find your happiness throughout the day, throughout each day, and throughout each minute of every hour and throughout every hour of every day. And yes, I'm not saying you're always going to be happy. Shit's going to happen. It's going to piss you off. But don't think that happiness will be delivered to you at some point in the future as a result of some action or some destination that you're going to reach because that shit doesn't fly. That's just not the way it works, Scotty Mendick. Remember doesn't. how... Much fun me and you used to have doing radio together. But at the time, you were miserable at times because you were not where you thought you should be. Correct. But looking back on that journey now, we had a great time. We used to BS and we joke around and we had the inside jokes and all these other. And I hear this all the time from people. You know, they get to where they think they want to be and then they start reminiscing on the good old days. You know, man, remember back in high school? We hated high school, but man, remember back in high school? We, remember that thing that we used to do? Remember that? Oh, you remember that girl? Oh, my God. 
But at the time, in the moment, you're not living in that moment. You're thinking about, man, I just can't wait to get the hell out of high school. I can't wait to graduate this. I can't wait to get the hell out of this radio station or this job or or wherever it is. But in hindsight, you look back at those memories and you're like, that was like literally some of the most important times of my life. Those are some of the greatest times. And I hold them so dear and true to my heart. But in the moment, and, and as you were saying those things about the destination is not happiness. It's the travel. It's a journey. Correct. It's those Dude, really so fun true, moments man. when we laughed our asses off when we were right. doing radio and you and me in the office in the morning having totally. a cup of coffee and talking shit and thinking and going through stories and planning things out yes. and, 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 and you don't realize it, but that's the happiness. That that's is. the happiness. That is the happiness. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If it's the people that, you know, or it could be anything, the people that are rich, it's, it wasn't now that well, I listen, have the money, I'm, I'm happy. I'm it was I'm, me I'm, making I'm, the money. I'm fighting that right now. I mean, me and a really? bunch of other people in this country. I mean, I know only 10% of us in this country derive most of our wealth from, from the stock market, but yeah. I happen to be one of those because of, you know, what happened with the fact that I created this company that became a publicly traded company. And I recently, when that happened, I became really wealthy. I mean, I became kind of wealthy beyond my wildest dreams, embarrassingly so, you know? And then I watched the stock market decline and decline and decline and decline to the point where I kind of was no longer that wealthy. I mean, I'm fine, but, you know, I'm not that wealthy anymore. There are a lot of people out there look at Tesla was at 300 a year ago and it's now at 105. I mean, this is more than 50% drop. You can imagine if somebody had all their stock in Tesla with, well, that's kind of what is happening today. Now you could just sit around and be miserable and say, the only time I'll ever be happy again is when the stock goes up and then my destination will have been fulfilled and I'll be a happy man. And I'll be honest with you, that happens to me recently. I started thinking, oh no, what? And then I kind of started thinking that this is a process and the stock will go up again. Will it go up to that number? I don't know. Will it go up to this? I don't know, but it's going to go up because it's, you know, Cano Health is one hell of a company, you know, that's going to have 300,000 members and it's got the best revenue of most companies out there. And it's got the best EBITDA of most companies out there. And they've got thousands of employees and cities all over the United States. It's a hell of a good company. And the stock may be down because of this or that. And just like Tesla's is down and Apple's was down. But I don't need to be freaked out waiting for it to hit a certain number for me to feel like a worthwhile human being again. I'm a good, worthwhile, happy human being right now who's living the process of a life that will get me to that point. I am not that point. That destination is not me. That destination yeah. is not my happiness. My happiness happens now because of my friends, because of my wife, because of my kids, because of my job, because of what I do. That's my happiness. And lately, I tell you, I had to figure this shit out. And I guess that's why I'm sharing it with you. Because we all do. Sometimes, you know? Yeah, it's interesting because as you're telling me all this, I'm thinking about you're not, you, you don't live on social media. You're not, so, I mean, you participate in social media, yeah. but you don't live your life on social media. Anecdotally, I will, if you told me 50 or 60% of the country live their life on social media, it wouldn't shock me. And what I mean by living <laughs> my life on social media, I can't have a meal without posting it. I can't receive a, 
a bouquet of flowers without showing my gratitude on, on a story. I can't do anything without posting it. And that's creating unrealistic expectations with people. And I think that's creating unhappiness in these people because they don't see the pictures like you're seeing them in that way. And I think that's why it's important sometimes to have these conversations, if that makes sense. So, so that's fascinating. I'd never thought of it that way. I'm looking at it as many times in my life, I've thought I'm not going to be happy until I reach that goal, that destination. And most recently, I felt like, well, this particular share price of this company that I believe in with all of my heart and I'm not selling because I know it's going to be a great stock still. So, but, you know, that's just me. I'm not giving advice to anyone. I'm just, you know, thinking as a person who happens to believe in this company that in the future, it's going to be a good thing. But I can't just sit around thinking about it being a good thing and basing everything on that dream Right. While I want to have dreams, what you're saying is there's people on social media who are like only thinking I'm going to be happy when I really do have that uh, Mercedes and I'm not just going to the dealership and taking a picture next to it and posting it. Right. And it's constantly in your face. So it's constantly changing. It's constantly updating. Oh, my God. I just saw this restaurant this person went to. I have to go to that restaurant, even though I can't afford it. Oh my God, I just saw this vacation they took. I have to go there. And if I don't get there, then I'm not as great as they are. And 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 that becomes a whole, you know, slippery slope of so so you, so you gotta live in you. In you, you. You have to live in you, in I'm what's happy. happening with you. That's on, right. You have to have the happiness of today, not the happiness of tomorrow. You have to act on that happiness to feel the happiness. You can't sit around thinking about the happiness. You've got to be the happiness. All of these are the things that we're talking about. Yes, because here's what happens in situations like that. If you're constantly living your life like that, then your life will crumble and you will constantly... I I know people literally that post things on their social media. Like, they have Hmm. all the money in the world. They have the happiest family in the world. The best children, the best parents, the best brother. And I know personally that they are miserable, that their life is crumbling all around them. Rome is on fire. But if you looked at their Instagram, man, oh, I want to be like that. And that's who I want to be like. Oh, you're, my gosh. Look at those sunglasses I need. You're sitting but I know there, their life is crumbling. And they're not even honest enough to say, oh, shit sucks. Like I had this bad experience or right. something. They'll tell but you because they're brutal. in that cycle of living their life, not in the moment, but yeah. in social media. It's, you know, it funny. repeats itself over and over again. <laughs> Too funny. Good yeah. God. Well, there you have it. Live for now. Live for you. Uh, do, don't think. Uh, these these are, uh, I mean, these are the lessons, you know. Um, stop waiting for the bus. Just start running. And um, don't think. Do. And um, be proactive. Don't be passive. Be proactive. And it's not about the destination. It's about the now. So there you go. You know, we come up with these. uh, Scotty and I, once in a while, just sit down and talk about the things that have mattered in our lives and the lessons that we've learned. And hopefully sitting with you and sharing some of these, we all grow and we all get a little better in this thing we call uh, life here on the Rick Sanchez podcast, part of Agua Media. Check us out at aguamedia.com. And thanks so much for being with us for Scotty. And uh, for myself and for the whole crew, I say, dale, andale, and vamos con todo. Agua.